Hi, welcome to Off Color Commentary, your go-to podcast for all things media, culture, and politics. We're your hosts, April, Neha, and I'm Keisha. This week, we're joined by wordsmith extraordinaire Clarkisha Kentz. We're going to be talking about all the themes she discussed in her book, Fat Off, Fat On, The Big Bitch Manifesto. But first, what have you all been up to this week? I have been watching um, Spy X Family like crazy. I also binge read, is that a thing? Um, all the manga um, because it was so, so cute. It's just a really good, um, feel good, quick, episodic show um, that I'm really into. I also ran a poll to figure out if I should watch My Hero Academia or um, Naruto. And so far, the poll, or not so far, it's over, but the poll told me I should start with My Hero Academia. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to do that, but I don't know when. And um, I'm also watching the new Andrew Garfield FX show called Under the Banner of Heaven. And it's about the real life uh, murder of Brenda Wright Lafferty and her daughter, Erica Lafferty. Um, by her brothers-in-law. It's very good. Andrew is, as expected, amazing. It's about like this guy, he's a Mormon and he's questioning um, his commitment almost to Mormonism as he works his way through this crime and how people have taken Mormonism to this like super extreme. So that's what I've been doing. I have also been watching Under the Banner of Heaven because I've been going down a rabbit hole the past couple of weeks of like cult content. So I've been Mm -hmm. watching Under the Banner of Heaven and reading up on that, but I also found some other documentaries on HBO Max, which I got into. So there's The Vow, which is about, if anyone's heard of Nixium, it was like yeah. this. Love that. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. It's very intense and gets mm-hmm. like very troubling, but so well done because they're like interviewing people who were like deep in the cult that then got out of it. Um, and another one called The Way Down, which is also on HBO Max. And it's, pretty relevant to this week because it was like it started as a weight loss program that was like when you want food you instead turn to god so it was like this evangelical weight loss crossover that then turned into a cult and got really strange and bizarre see i can't do cult shit because as we've discussed my aquarius ass has cult leader personality so that would be too much inspiration for me I've been dedicating my time to doing a lot of uh, K-dramas. I got into Business Proposal, finished that, got into Startup. Other than Clarkisha's book, Fat Off, Fat On, I've been reading a lot more like poetry and memoir related stuff. So I read, uh, read because I was on like a trip to New York, I read uh, We're In This Together by Linda Sarsour because uh, I got a copy of that while I was there. Got me surprisingly emotional on the one hour flight back. I think that surprised them. Cause it was like a 10, like a 10 PM flight. So all you see is like six foot three, me sobbing in the back of the plane. And this like poor man being like, hi, do you want some pretzels? It's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just take water. Thank you. Um, Like, I know y'all know this, but like, it's been a rough time with this fucking retrograde and we got a lunar eclipse coming on. So I'm just trying to turn that New York trip and seeing all those friends and like all of this time to like turn into some time for comfort and like self-development. Cause I feel like I really need that right about now. So these memoirs have really been helping and fat off, fat on specifically, cause we're going to get into it. Like I saw so much of myself in that book and the experiences and the themes that are written there. I was like, yeah. It's really the time for self-reflection right now. So I'm very glad this is the episode we're doing today. Um, Claire Keisha, what have you been up to for the past like couple of weeks? Um, I mean, as my followers know, I've been beating my landlord's ass in court. That's been fun. Uh- <laughs> we love that. <laughs> that's been fun. Um, 
yeah yeah because they had me you know i don't know if we can swear here but they had me fucked up okay so oh, we um, can swear don't worry every okay, episode so, yeah, is they, me fucked up. they did they did um um besides that i've at max actually in the editing stage for the book um so that's been fun um yeah editing is always interesting because you'll be like okay i'm gonna cut this out but wait should i elaborate on this so then it's like this thing where like it's a perpetual circle of editing <laughs> so you have to be careful because you'll get stuck right um besides that i um just finished moon night um which was great um to me to me to me to me <laughs> i see your face to me i've seen all the criticisms i have i have i've seen and all i i honor all of them i actually agree um for me though i personally um as i age i get less little less what's the word i'm kind of less uh, critical about um adaptations the way i was watching it was um basically trying to put its own spin on things because i am kind of familiar with those people who were like we should have saw more of the personalities and i'm like i'm gonna be honest with you them two to three they was doing was enough for me personally i i i understand what people saying but Mm -hmm. we got six episodes i don't have time to explore like 10 personalities but um yeah, to me, to me, I'm not saying it was like 100% Rotten Tomatoes, but I was thoroughly entertained. I think um, Oscar Isaac is good at his craft, as per usual. Um, yeah, but obviously I do have criticisms, but I say great because I'm, you know, I'm fresh off of it. So I'm like, oh my God. Um, personally, I was also excited to not have to go to fucking Greece again. Like, listen, I love me some nice Greek mythology, but we don't we have to keep going there i'm tight it's this other civilization baby it's others so i think that was also part of it i was Mm -hmm. excited to not be once again in greece or in rome or you know yeah it's a little bit more novel to be watching that personally do we want to talk about your tweet from last night talking about Uh, if you if you like (laughs) i'm okay i'm game i'm game i am i am listen i this is me per, uh, off color again does not condone violence don't sue us we don't have lawsuit money but i personally <laughs> i i support conscious agenda to cancel people's subscriptions to oxygen in all ways yeah. um in the, all ways especially every way. Uh, looking at his what he would say right the phrasing which was a travels overnight people forget travelers of night are uh, people who are trying to make an honest living so maybe merchants mm-hmm. um maybe motherfuckers just passing through right you know, like this regular schmegular people who not only get robbed, but they get killed, right? For trying to make a living. So yeah, I'm gonna be mad because this person was minding their business. So yeah, I'm gonna want your subscription to Oxygen to be canceled. Um, personally, obviously my only issue was the fact that like he tricked Mark again, Mark and Steven mm-hmm. again. But um, in my mind, I'm like, you're dealing with gods. Um, they're megalomaniacs, they're tricksters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always going to twist and turn things if you're not specific enough. Like, look at Hades. If you don't, you like your request, if it's not like exact down to the period of the request, he's going to find a way to put a really nasty loop on there. So for me, I was like, is Contru, um toxic? Yes. But <laughs> is he doing some good work technically? Yes. Because I was like, when... um obviously spoiler alert for people who haven't watched it but it's late enough to where i'm like we technically don't need spoilers but just in case um when they 
we're gonna leave Hera alive. I was like, we have seen Girl for what? what this per- person is capable of. So it's mm-hmm. not like a situation with Ahmed where we were gonna snuff him out before his time. We've seen what he can do and what he has done. It's mm-hmm. okay. To, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We have seen what is what he we, his actions right has spoken for himself. That's country's whole thing. I'm not gonna smite you before the deed is done. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, choice is to a certain extent a factor. So yeah, yeah, maybe you technically destined to do this trifling thing, but let's say you have a change of heart the last minute. I don't think it's right to whack you still, right? So yeah, yeah I personally I ain't got no problem with him, aside for obviously, you know, the toxicity, because yeah, yeah, honestly, but um that that's gonna be another round table, like the off-color spirituality section, <laughs> talking about just spirituality, ritual work, and all that sort of fun stuff. But one thing before we move on to the meat of today's podcast, I will say is did y'all pick up on how they said Alexander the Great, known colonizer, massacred well, thousands, his scales well, were balanced. Well, yeah, I didn't like that. It's not I was like, you know, it's, okay. you gotta you gotta justify white folks somehow, some way. You can't do that. Can't can't make them out to be bad guys. They really said genocide. It's all good. Look at him. Made a kingdom. In the name of conquering. I will say. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say, though, um, they they had nerve to say that shit. And then was like, he was the mouthpiece for a man. So I'm like, so you canceling out what you just said. So you admitted, you're admitting that he was trifling if he was the mouthpiece for this particular guy. Mm-hmm. You're admitting that he's trifling. You didn't think we caught? I caught it. Mm-hmm. I caught it. I was All like, same. you know, if you're the mouthpiece for this god who likes to snuff people out before their time, then you obviously can't be no good person talking about snuff. I mean, talking about um, balance scales. I'm like, mm, <coughs> so what is this, this math that's yeah. happening here? I kind of want to see the math, math, the mathematical formula that's going into balancing these scales. So. Yeah. See, I was like, okay, this this is two plus two equals horseshit kind of math. I, it makes no sense to me. But I did see we're allegedly getting a second season, so we'll have to revisit this. Definitely the second season. Listen, definitely. the reactions like we're definitely getting it. But yeah. hopefully, then this time, we, like Disney was forced, like they were generous enough to get, let us interview Muhammad Diab. That was a great conversation we had with him. But next time. I want everyone in that room. I want that whole writer's room. I want to speak to them about that fucking line. But again, before we get into tangents, let's move on to the actual meat of the show, which is a certain author. Their book is going to be available on. Well, by the time this episode comes out, their book is available for pre-order. Fat off, fat on, a big bitch manifesto. Let's talk about it. How are we feeling? You asking me how I'm feeling about it in general or... (laughs) I mean, yes, you wrote that shit during the pandemic. It is a deeply personal book. There's a lot of shit. Like, we are friends. I know you personally. There was a lot of things going on the entire time. So how are you feeling now that we're getting close to pre-order? Um, it's definitely surreal. Um, obviously, every day that gets closer, I'm like, wow, it's about to really be out there like that. And, you know, it's not me writing and putting it out to the world is not new um because there are definitely sections in that book that I've actually discussed at length um outside of the book in different outlets like a lot of it was done with like into um like I say the first version of into right not that there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with the second but you know that whole story um so into and then Afropunk you know I wrote a lot there um and then sprinkled out through BET and some other places um but it's interesting because like now it's a whole like volume 
right of like my personal stories um kind of put in one space and it was interesting too because I like finished writing the book and then I thought about it and I was like the funny part is this is only like maybe 20 20 percent of my life like there's like so much more that I could discuss but I guess for the sake of time and also the sake of like not overly triggering my potential audience I was like let me just stop right here <laughs> just all right so yeah. definitely interesting definitely humbling um also very exciting too because when i was younger um as y'all see in the book that i i aspired for a long time to be a writer um and i was like i was obviously 12 by the time i was really dead set on it but i remember being like seven eight and being like i want to write books um and even there was a period in high school where like i spent a substantial amount of time um pitching around um novel ideas now they didn't pan out for obvious reasons but um yeah i've i've been focused on this goal for a long time so it's like nice to see it pan out um you know also for the spiritual girlies very um great example of the power of manifestation um be delusional Lil Nas said it i'm repeated be delusional do it it works it works it really does be delusional you'll you never know who's listening. Listen, true. Li- like, I, be delusional. Listen, I will, like, we talked about, because specifically in your book, it details, like, sections of your life up until right now. And, like, there's a period where you go over your uh, your mid-20s, specifically while you were 25, and I was like, wow, as a bitch who just turned 25, I it, it's hitting. The confusion, the chaos, it's... But like, I can see where things are starting to like click in, like with this New York trip, there were little moments throughout that trip where I was just like, oh no, someone's listening. Like there was a day, um, like I, like I've never seen a musical up until recently because my family is not like really in the arts. And then our creative director, Melissa, who's in the city mentioned to me offhand that she was going to see Hadestown the day we went to go uh, get brunch together. And I had plans for later that night. And then literally while I was on the way to where I was staying, those plans were canceled. And I was like, oh, God got me. Look at me. I'm going to go to Town tonight. <laughs> and like it was it's those little moments that have been clicking. It was that seeing friends like I met a friend, a recent friend from TikTok. Like I didn't even know they were in the city. And last year when I got to see you for, for the first time ever in Virginia, all of those things just sort of like pieced together throughout the most chaotic moments. And I like seeing that reflected in the book. Because you also jump back and forth between timelines quite real, And I will say, that was really beautifully done. Thank you. Very few authors can do that. Thank you. Like, I was like, trying. I was like, let me just. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, you know that like reaction image where it's like the guy standing in front of the board, everything is red strings. That was you. <laughs> just... Except it made sense. The strings were connecting. So that was really wonderful to see. And I'm, and I texted you about it last night too. Where I was like, We've been friends for a while, but like this book, it gave me a completely new perspective on you and our friendship. So thank you for like putting it out there. Thank you for reading it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited about the general consensus. Um, I'm not presumed who reads comments, so I'll probably be skipping most of those um, <laughs> for my own mental health. Because sometimes people be crazy, you know, um, I could take critique, but sometimes they they come on there and they're just like today you are my problem for the day and I'm like okay I don't have time for that so I'm just gonna thank you for reading it that's still that's still somebody you still bought it you know you still bought it so thank you for that but yeah 
you know. Thank you for the royalty check. Right. I was like, yeah, you know, a buy is a buy is a buy. Really? <laughs> no, I really loved it. I thought it was great. I read it. Um, so I started reading it this morning and then I had to do like family related stuff and I finished it. I guess I would say overall in about three hours total. So that's, wow. you know, that would be, <laughs> that's evidence. I really loved it. It was relatable. I felt like, I felt like I saw so much of myself and mm-hmm. my own struggles and my own um, issues with weight, insecurity, sexuality, parents. It was like, it was like, hey, wow, it's not just me. Um, and I think that's really important because a lot of the time fat black girls don't really have, um, we don't have that space. We don't have that reflection. So it was nice to to have this um, shared moment with somebody who experienced things that I had. I loved it. I will say one one thing I really appreciated about the book is that you didn't like try and write through like a curtain of gossamer. It wasn't like, and things were okay. Like you, you explicitly <laughs> say several, I, I, we're not going to quote the book because it is still going through rounds of edits, but like you mentioned several times, I was like, I, dear reader, I wish I could say everything worked out well, or there was a happy ending here. And then you're like, but life, life doesn't work like that. And it was, it was fun while it lasted, or it was bad while it happened, but we move. And I feel like seeing that level of honesty is really refreshing in books. Yeah, I uh, try, especially like, you know, America, um, people's ideas of like endings can be a little bit warped. Um, so everybody wants it to be neat. Everybody wants this perfect bow to be wrapped around in nice tidy and it'd be done. And that's not that's not how it works. You know, you got to be honest to the uh, human experience, too. Um, even if you're thinking about, for example, romance. Right. Some of the greatest romance stories, I'll put great quotations. Right. And horrendously, you know, like, like, but part of the, the appeal is that before the tragic or terrible ending, you had this, right, great love, right? Um, so I feel like that's a lot of times how life is like, you know, you'll have really great periods of life. And then, you know, um, something happens to maybe abruptly end it. But like you said, we move, you know, even that, like the, the bad ending, the bad period doesn't last forever. So that's, the good and the bad part so thank you for that no it's i think because i like again like i think i'm sure uh april can relate which is just like the book ends kind of abruptly but also not in the sense of like you are in your like early 30s so you are still only like a third of your the way through your life you got years before lock on wood you got years in front of you and the book reflects that because you're just like goodbye for now so i was like i had that same like energy of like when I read the first book in a fantasy series where I'm like, I want the sequel now. It's like I that level of excitement to see what happens next for you. It was it was there as well. Cause I'm like, there's so much, like so much is gonna happen for her. I want to, I want to know everything. I want I wish I had the inside scoop. And a lot of the things that you're discussing in the book, uh specifically to do with like colorism in uh in America, but also within um Nigerian households and then Black society in general, society at large, fat phobia, ableism. It's not like those things went away just from like the early 2000s now. Those things just became initially stealthier and now there's just coming back boldface. Yeah. Like the whole issue with um, Jada Pickett-Smith and people 
uh, being dismissive of her autoimmune disorder and alopecia. Then we have Lori Harvey talking about how she went on a crash, sorry, major trigger warning, because we are going to be discussing these things, uh, not in explicit detail, but we're going to be uh, covering the topics. Um, Lori Harvey talking about like her crash dieting for the Met Gala. And even, um, I hate to mention it, I hate to bring her up, Kim Kardashian in her little Maryland dress. Even she went through some pretty extreme weight loss for that. And I was like, it's ridiculous that we're still, we're back in this place again. I guess, do we ever like leave that space? <laughs> oh yeah, no. Because I don't, I don't think we ever left that place. I think it was just, um, I think it was kind of better camouflaged. I guess mm-hmm. I would say, I think it was a little bit more under the umbrella of body positivity. Um, I was like, you know, love you and love yourself. And absolutely hundred percent love you and love yourself, but I can do that all day. Um, if the people around me are not, you know, willing to accept me and myself and the way it presents itself, that me loving me is not really, <laughs> it's not even in and out, you know? Um, no, but I agree with, um, Keish. I really like the ending. I don't love, I'm actually not somebody who loves the perfect bow, um, at the end. I think it's, I think it's crazy because that's not. Like, even when you read a romance novel, right? Like you were saying earlier, you get to the end and it's like, everybody looks happily ever after they had five kids and nobody ever died and nobody got sick and it was never hard ever. And that's crazy because we all know that life is about the ups and the downs and the struggle and what comes after that. So I think that it is incredibly impactful to end a book in such a way, especially a biographical book, um, mm-hmm. in such a way that you're like, oh, wait, there's <laughs> nothing after this page. Um, I actually like clicked the down button a few times. I was like, I was scrolling. I was like, where's what you doing? And then I was like, oh, that's it. That's the end. Um, but yeah, and I like that it's unofficial, right? Because you can come back whenever you want. You can come back to this section or you can come back and tell a whole new story. We can move past like this, this umbrella moment. And I, I think I am just, I am in awe. <laughs> I think it was, I said it before, I think it's excellent. Thank um, you. I think it's just overall amazing. I mean, I, I love the fact that you said that like it's camouflage because even our, in our little podcast notes, like I wrote resurgence in quotations because I was like, when did this shit disappear? We had the whole body positivity movement, but it was love yourself, asterisk, as long as you're, you know, slim weights, ass fat, titties fat. Uh-huh. Like it was very specific body types. Uh-huh. And then when you like, and then with the addition of like visual platforms like TikTok, you have plus size influencers, but they're all like, I'm not really fat. I'm mid-size. I was like, girl, it doesn't make a fucking difference. So many different labels on types of fatness now. Like that's crazy. A mid-size BBW, a BBW, uh, a small BBW. Like, girl, what are you, you fat? Just say I'm fat. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to be fat. I, I just, wow. It blows my mind every time I think about it. Like I'm just looking over and I knew there was some drama on TikTok, actually not even bring it up, um, between fat influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching, I cannot remember her name for the life of me but I was watching a video that she posted and basically she was saying that some of the mid-size or the smaller BBWs are kind of like separating themselves into this like new hierarchy of what it means to be fat and what it means to be acceptably fat mm-hmm. um and how much bullshit that is right and how it's demeaning and destructive to the fat community sorry you can't see my fingers but I'm quoting um to the fat community at large and I, it's just, it's just terrible. I'm over it. What is? I, so 
I like that you use resurgence because I actually do I actually do agree with that word in that um it was not in vogue to be talking about crash dieting like mm-hmm. maybe three to five, six years ago. Um, it was not in vogue to be talking about some 1200 calorie diet a couple years ago. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and also we had body positivity get hijacked by, you know, thin women as all things are because they have main character syndrome, um, especially if you're white. Um, then you have, um, what else? I think the point you bring up, um, is it, is it April? I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Thank okay. you. Um, which beautiful spelling, by the way. Um, so the point you bring up was really interesting to me because there's a lot of uh, community politics at play. Um, I would call myself fat, period. Like there's no no extra categorization for me. It's just fat. That's all it's been. Um, mm-hmm. I actually never called myself plus size even when I was younger. I thought that was weird. I thought that I was like, okay, maybe that's okay for clothes, but I'm not a shirt. I'm not a skirt. I'm not a dress. I'm just, I'm. A, this is a human being here. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fat, right? Um, and fat is not a dirty word. Um, I think that general society would like for it to be a dirty word, but it's not. So I was like, just fat. Um, but as far as community politics go, I remember um, over the last couple of years, you know, um, unfortunately, it's not just those the weirdo BBL, small, whatever. It's not just them doing it. Sometimes it's intercommunity stuff at play. So like, even though, like I said, I'm not adding any Carter, like extra categorization to myself. Um, a lot of people in the community would be looking at me and be like, hey, small fat. And I, I mean, they wouldn't be wrong, but um, I don't really see a point to it. I remember I've recently been talking about, um, for example, Queen Latifah um, and people like Monique and how people like them in media, um, they just helped me. Like they helped me at a time, let's say before we had someone like Lizzo. Like Lizzo was not here when I was eight, mm-hmm. nine, 10, 11. She's great. I'm glad the kids now have her because that's going to do them a lot of good. But when I was younger, it was just, it was other people too. But them two as Black women, that's who I was looking to. Um, but again, if you ask people currently today, they're going to be like, well, Queen Latif was technically not fat. And I'm like, Okay, like I just I personally I'm not going to go back and forth with people about it. I just know that she has been doing the damn thing for a long time, even when it wasn't like maybe invoked to do so. Um, So that's Mm -hmm. my thing. It's 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 I kind of look at it how I look at the queer community, too. It's a lot of um, I don't want to say caddy because I feel like that's very reductive. Um, but there's a lot of a uh, need to kind of box each other in. So most of the time, I just don't. I just will ignore it. I'll be like, it's I'm fat, and that's that's <laughs> where the period. That's where it ends. I'm not discussing anything with anybody. Mm-hmm. Clarkisha and her fat ass gonna stay over here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I don't want it, the extra BS. So I, I think. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, there's. There's a specific thing from Fat Off, Fat On, again, which you should pre-order. Um, uh, I'm going to keep, like, I am here to just plug, on like, incessantly. Uh, I'm going to bring that up later, but, like, specifically when you brought up the queer community, like, one quote from Poe specifically, like, flashed in my mind, which was that diner scene between um, Blanca and Damon where there, she was talking about how you're a gay Black man, and, like, in the hierarchy, 
black trans women are lower. So obviously there are queer black, cis black men who will shit on us because that's the only way they can feel a modicum of uh, pride and superiority. And I was like, the way that that power structure keeps trying to replicate itself in every microcosm of society and every marginalized group identity, it's just like every time it's exhausting, exhausting, truly. And even in your book, um, again, I'm not going to make direct references because the final isn't out yet. Y'all got to buy that shit to figure out yourself. Um, there's a section, and if you're comfortable like with me discussing it right now, yeah, of course, talk about like uh, wanting to lose weight during like your high school period. Uh-huh. And you did, through whatever means, lose a significant amount of weight and come back. And that that former fat experience happened where every all of a sudden you were seen. People could see you. You weren't funny. You were like, who is she? And even then you were like, I wasn't skinny. I was still fat. I just was less of it. And even that was enough to remove some of that, like that ridicule and that erasure of my identity and my presence. And I was like, yeah. I would love to talk about how, cause you said you mentioned working at, you know, the TJ Maxx phenomenon and I worked at Marshall's when I was in high school and they literally had a junior section and they called it the cube yo they were literally putting young girls in an actual box I think they might still have it but in an actual box as to what was appropriate for your weight style etc like it, it what are you doing what are you doing and then to like work there and to know these styles don't work for me like this is never going to be my vibe right offensive (laughs) destroyed me emotionally but that's cool you know we made it (laughs) we're here um does speak a lot to like the pseudoscience that goes into so much of it because one thing I've noticed is that especially like since the pandemic I saw this a lot like it just got repackaged and there was so much talk of like it wasn't crash dieting suddenly there was all these people talking about like gut health or like there was the whole like that Ooh, girl the amount, the amount of skinny white girls talking about gut health oh yeah. my god probiotics, probiotics yeah or just talking about like oh my bloating and this and that and it was like it was suddenly like taboo at this point to call it crash dieting but that didn't mean the aesthetic wasn't there and it was tied to this idea that this is what like health looks like and oh it's okay we're not saying that it's like bad to be fat quote unquote but that this is, this is like, oh, this is unhealthy. We're just worried about like the science of it all. And like, and I'm, it's so destructive because I noticed that like, and I'm not fat. So I don't want to like lay claim to having that kind of like oppression, but it bleeds into like the way science works. Like I went through a point where I just wasn't doing any kind of physical exercise. I was very depressed mentally and intellectually. There's nothing wrong with saying like exercise is, is good for you. Exercise is good for you. There's things you eat that are good for you, mm-hmm. but it gets so tied up in this language of like, it's all about physical results. It's all about aesthetic results that I felt like I couldn't engage with it without going into this tailspin of like being exposed to this really destructive dieting culture. And I felt like I didn't want to entertain that. And there was no way to kind of separate what is like actual normal, just like physical well-being from what is this incredibly toxic culture that puts people down for, and not just put people, puts people down, actively harms them. Like, how can you trust a medical system, any kind of scientific structure when it puts kind of moral, physical, technical blame on physical appearance. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. as simple as putting it onto like body positivity because it runs so much deeper than that. There's 
like like people with my parents generation so much of the time they they think they're very well-meaning and saying oh we're just looking out for you or just worried oh, about yeah. you so, they love and, that yeah they love it and it's like and the thing is I, I notice this a lot in like immigrant families Indian families especially when you're like you're only seeing people once every few few years immediately it's people commenting on each other's weight on like these physical changes in appearance and it's like I, I don't think like my grandmother is like saying this about like me or my cousins or anything because she's like oh how can I like shame them and make them feel bad but they're just so conditioned to think that the number one factor that goes into determining someone's physical social psychological health is is weight and it's incredibly destructive and I think having it packaged as this like health related scientific related thing makes it even harder to kind of address that realistically because it's hiding now like it's much harder to come for people um and call them out when they're Mm -hmm. disguising this as like oh I'm not shaming the way you look I'm just talking about like healthy lifestyle and your gut will feel better and your mental health will be better and it's always it's always packaged in that whole like I I don't live with my family anymore. I don't live near my family anymore. But it's always when you come back home, either oh you gained some weight or oh you lost a little bit of weight. And the lost a little bit of weight is always like a smile. We're happy. Look at you. You look good. And oh you gained some weight. It's always like this little um, hidden thing. Not to put my secrets out there, but when I was pregnant, I hid this from everybody. Nobody knew I was pregnant. Um, but I had a funeral that I had to go to. Um, and obviously I'm getting bigger because I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I went to the funeral and at the funeral, when we're supposed to be mourning somebody, it was, oh, you put on some weight. Is it because of the grief? Time out. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? It wasn't, but think like how insensitive, how insensitive of you to assume Mm -hmm. that A, I gained, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds in a week because that's about our burial time. (laughs) And B, like, why would you even mention it if it was about the grief? Like, why would that be where your mind, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of people are gonna learn the hard way um, how unproductive this is, especially with the COVID constantly mutating, um, Mm -hmm. especially in this country that doesn't have adequate healthcare. Um, A lot of people are going to learn um, that this shit is going to backfire in a way that it hasn't backfired in past decades. Um, there's a lot of people with like hidden, you know, diseases, predis- you know, predisposed disorders or risk factors or whatever. Um, and people, because of what the CDC did, which they can rot in hell to me, um, people are not understanding that COVID isn't just cough, cough, sneeze, sneeze, or whatever the symptoms are. Um, this is like a... It's a cardiovascular disease, if I'm, um, if I remember correctly. Like this is much deeper, um, and um, it's it's going to get worse. Um, my prediction is I'm not a doctor, obviously. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah, we don't have lawsuit money. People get out here and be like, just quack, just quack. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to not just like heart health and you know blood and whatever. Um, although that's really important because, for example, they're finding um there's an influx in children being diagnosed with diabetes, for mm-hmm. example, just after, after showing no symptoms during, you know, their small brush with COVID, right? Diabetes come out of nowhere. People, vision issues. Um, people are um, 
people talking about shrinking dick sizes. Like it's a lot of stuff happening that they're not covering because, you know, there's agenda to to push COVID out of like public consciousness. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if things get worse in terms of, let's say, maybe we're going to start seeing issues with bone health. We don't know. There's like a lot of things that could happen, but people are worried about the little weight that they gained during a pandemic where their body was trying to protect them. But that is, that's a separate issue, you know, a separate discussion. But um, yeah, I think we're going to see it backfire in a very large, unprecedented way. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can be nice and skinny or whatever. That's not going to prevent you from dropping dead. There were Mm -hmm. people who were in perfect, like no joke, perfect, perfect shape. Um, And they had one brush with covid and now they can't get up no stairs without being needed. Like, like, I'm sorry, diseases and plagues and stuff <laughs> don't care if you fit into your size six, five, four, three, two dress. Um, they just out here to kill you. And that's period, whether it, you skinny or fat or whatever. I think about because there was this like when COVID was first taking off, there was this um, viral post from this guy who was super, super fit um, before he got COVID. And then um, they like, you know, he fast forward or however many days it had been since he had been in the hospital and he was so weak, he couldn't do anything. He could barely move himself. Um, and it's literally just like, see how being fit didn't do, it, it didn't do what you thought it was okay. going to do. <laughs> let's, okay. let's talk about it. And you know, my fat ass, I, I have not caught COVID once. So now what? Now what? No, but also i think it's it's troubling that people take these things more seriously when they happen to them people yeah yeah yeah, like i mean sometimes i think like there's this tendency to like we hear about someone passing away from covid and be like oh they were so young or like Mm -hmm. oh they were like and i i get that to an extent right if they're closer to you you don't expect it to happen but there's this tendency to believe that like oh if a fit person gets sick or gets a disease or falls ill and dies it's like it's a tragedy it wasn't their fault whereas if you're not like running a marathon a week and like doing some like weird diet and taking like vitamin pills then like well i guess that was gonna happen like what were you going to do about it? And I think that, again, is just tied to this weird, like, pseudoscientific thing that people believe that, like, these images of what is physically fit have anything to do with actual physical health and science, which so Mm -hmm. often does not. I think think a lot of it has to do, and you, because even in Clark Hughes' book, Fat on, fat off, which you should pre-order. Um, listen, I, I'm about to be this way until the book comes out and then a couple months after. Um, you do discuss an ACL injury that basically caused physical disability and mobility issues for you. And I think that a lot of times people, like the perception of health and wellness plays more into a factor of like how they treat you versus your actual wellness and health. Because I can say before my car accident, I was working in restaurants. I was standing like 12 hours a day in restaurants in the heat. I lost ridiculous amount of work because like I wasn't eating. Because like you can't just take a bite out of something you're cooking for someone else. That's unsanitary. Yeah. I was literally running on a on a diet of espresso shots and like and this is my specific Starbucks order unsponsored. If y'all want to order it, it's very good. A Trenta black tea lemonade with 12 pumps of classic syrup. That shit was was sweet poison. Oh, my God. Well, no, no, no. When I tell you that first year of the pandemic, I literally was like I had to 
basically tackle a sugar addiction. I had to work my way down to like a regular amount of sugar because I wasn't eating. So that was the fuel my body was getting. And that I was like, people thought I was so healthy then in in the DMS on the apps all the time. And then post COVID I've gained weight. I am at my healthiest and people like even my medical doctor, I will say my like autoimmune specialists and all, they're a very good team, but you know, medical bias is always there. Uh, when I was talking about like starting hormonally transitioning there next year, they're like, do you want to lose weight? Cause estrogen makes you like hold on to it. And I was like, no, I just, I like the weight I am. I just wanted to redistribute a little, you know, I just, I'm tired of looking like a barrel. I want to look like a bottle. <laughs> and they were just like, that's really, and I was like, yeah, girl, I'm fine. I can stretch. I can move. I can haul my fucking 80 pound dog across the street. If I need to, I'm good. And that baffled people. And I was like, you don't understand what health looks like. No. And I don't like specifically in the context of the American healthcare system where you are penalized for existing and needing attention. Yeah. Like you mentioned there was a struggle with getting physical therapy and that was a whole thing for you. And I was just like, I, as a Canadian, that seems baffling because in my car, after my car accident, my doctor was downstairs. My physiotherapist was right upstairs. When it's a requirement for your life. Yeah. When it's a requirement for your success, your continued, you know, endeavors, it, it will never cease to be insane to me. Like um, things like diabetes and insulin not being just free. People mm-hmm. having to stretch out insulin for, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but the privatization of our medical care and even like not even outside of medical care. Now we're talking about things like um, infant formula, right? The privatization of these companies has created these droughts, these price gouging issues, the idea that, you know, if you were better then you wouldn't need all of these things, or if you were skinnier, you wouldn't need all these things. So then you wouldn't have to complain about the pricing. And we always ignore the fact that it has nothing to do with your weight. It has nothing to do with your, you know, wealth, nothing to do with where you live and everything to do with the fact that we live in a society that prizes monetary gain over the individuals that it's supposed to support. I mean, now I'm just saying like, we live the, it does matter your weight and race and stuff. Cause like we live in a society that like actively thrives off of inaccessibility. So we know that mm-hmm. like being fat means that like, if you got COVID, they would look at my fat ass body versus a skinny bitch and be like, that bitch gets the ventilator. And I would just be out here struggling. And we know they did that. Like for and we know they did that. <laughs> and then we've seen that same thing happen with um, black women in healthcare over and over again. We know about the mortality rate of specifically uh, black women who choose to like get pregnant, carry to term. We know that the like support system for healthcare stuff and, you know, just general resources when it comes to like being a parent, being um in the workforce all of that shit is just like so inaccessible and the way that compounds when you are a person of color specifically black specifically dark skin specifically plus size specifically disabled it is insane to see the way it like like builds upon itself even in spaces that are supposed to be accessible like a virtual magazine like clarkisha you talked about this on your twitter quite a bit about how even working for virtual spaces you were expected to like move somewhere or you were like, you had to be in person or like, it's, it's a lot of bullshit for no good goddamn reason. When we were, um, when we were teaching virtually, they still required us to come into the building. There were no students there. 
there was no point, like we were literally sitting at our desks in our classrooms on Zoom, just like we are now, but we had to be physically in the classroom. And what was the reason? <laughs> what was what was the reason? Overseer like, culture, that's mm-hmm. what the reason was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so ugly. It's so ugly. And I think people ignore how much of the decisions like those are rooted in, I think people think that those things aren't rooted in like a culture of fat phobia or a culture of racism and things like that. It's like, oh, we just want to ensure effectiveness. We just want to make sure um, that, you know, our company is working the way it's supposed to. But like, if I'm just as effective at home, why do I need to be here? Why do you need to be in my face? It's not, it's not adding up. Because yeah. says so. They said go back to the field. <laughs> You're supposed to be working. No, listen. I was having that con- I, I was actually have, that- you know, obviously. No, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to go too far um out of the way topic wise, but um yeah, that that was a big issue we did have during the pandemic. And for me, I was like, like April said, it is tied back to racism and many, many other things. Um, because, you know, the pandemic made it so that everybody had to sit at home, right? Mm-hmm. So that means, particularly for white women, too, that, that's a demographic, demographic that has a lot of control issues, right? Um, you probably had to stay at home with very oppressive white husbands, right? Lost a lot of personal power, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's going to be extra incentive to want to go back to especially like a corporate workplace, because even as a very weird, uncool, very desperate middle manager, you have a little bit of control versus what you would have had back at home. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I was pointing out things like that, then it got, it got too hot for some people. And I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. a lot of you, like that is where your personal power is. My power is not there. I don't like y'all like that. I don't want to be your <laughs> friends. I'll be coming in. I'll be getting my check. I'll be leaving. But for a lot of people that is where their their power is so that's go back don't go back yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no reason to i mean that that that's a whole conversation that off color could have because i so while i was in new york i was staying with clarkisha's agent claire because we're mutual friends and claire and claudia like i was claire's partner we were going back and forth and talking about like hiring practicing practices and job stuff and i was like off color doesn't do interviews nope we don't like we don't have monthly meetings like the only people that meet more than like a the board of directors which is myself melissa april our editorial director anything you see on our site that's written goes through april her brilliant creative eye um we meet every two weeks but our team overall we meet every quarter and even then it's mandatory but like if you can't make it zoom has a recording function our creative director, Melissa, she's been working from back in our nerdy POC days. Seven years I've known Melissa. This was the first time I've ever seen her in person. And I can confidently say that like our organization. And it wasn't for work. It wasn't even for work. It I was just like, she's work. in the city. <laughs> and I was like, that's, it's baffling to me that you don't just make the transition. Cause I won't say it's, it's easy working this way. It can be very difficult there. It is very trying at times, but compared to driving through traffic to a physical office, just just to sit across from each other at a, and at a computer. The hell out. I don't stress even like, the fuck I don't out. even like 90 per city, y'all. Like, I don't, why are you looking at me? I'm stressed out about what? I don't like you. I want to be here. I don't want to be, I don't want to be here with you. I don't want to look at you. Somebody ate my food out the fridge two days ago. I'm still mad about it. What are you talking about? Get out of here. No. Listen, that's, we're trying to do some Game of Thrones things at work too. 
It's it's a lot. Like, I don't listen. care about y'all like that. I'm not dusty ass, smelly ass office. Listen, huh. I was just like, listen, ooh, that could like we need to wrap up, but like that could be a whole. Listen, when the second book deal comes, <laughs> when we get the continued manifesto, we'll have a whole discussion on labor rights because that's yeah. that's the new thing because we know it's coming. That labor rights movement, it's hitting it's hitting corporations with a yeah yeah. Everybody and their mama got a union now, just, and I yeah. love that for them. Mm-hmm. Except for teachers in North Carolina. <laughs> Thankfully, you're trying to quit. I manifest that for you. I got a new job. We love to see it. Job. This school year is my last school year. <laughs> yes. It, question. Is it is it some sort of management leadership role like the reading said? I'm working for the Princeton Review. Um, my job is to introduce um grad level products to their schools so kind of sort of like um, provide access to their um, test prep materials for their grad students so i love that okay see i'm I'm halfway through your astrological report so we're gonna schedule a time where i can give you another tarot a tarot reading as well but we gotta wrap this shit up it is. All right, y'all. Before we go, I want to hear who's your bad bitch of the week? Who is the one that caught your eye? April, go first. My bad bitch of the week is Miss Candace Patton um, from The Flash, the CW's Flash, um, Iris West Allen. I think we don't give her a lot of credit for what she has done for opening doors for Black people to kind of, I'm going to put take in quotation marks, but to inhabit these um, previously white fictional spaces right mm-hmm. um her being the, the ginger i don't know corrupter let's call it that her being <laughs> the first ginger corrupter um has really just kicked in the door for people like Halle bailey and um keenan lonsdale makai brooks uh quivenzene wallace when she did um little orphan annie and now we have um leah salva jeffries about to be miss um, annabeth chase so i think that we should really just start giving candace her flowers because she dealt with a lot to stay in that role and because she did there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who get to follow after her listen i want candace in everything i mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if she wants a marvel check or a dc check or a disney check but i i manifest that for her i want long prosperous contracts that make her happy not period. some cw bullshit period but... i want her off that show <laughs> free her free her <laughs> claire keisha who's your bad bitch of the week baby uh, I'm gonna say Elizabeth Olsen. I think she is wonderfully chaotic. Um, love I it, love yeah. the fact that she was. I don't remember the publication recently, but she was. She was getting. You know, she was taking a polygraph test, and mm-hmm. I love the fact that she said she didn't know who John Krasinski was. was I'm all for necking white men, so even if she did or didn't meet him, I'm glad she was like, oh, "Girl, I don't know who that is." I met <laughs> Emily though. She nice. I'm. I'm glad. I thought it was funny. I laughed. Um, she's so chaotic. It kind of threw me back to her um hot ones interview where she was just mm-hmm. down in them wings, and then the little host he was he started sweating, and she was just like, Hey, I just do this every day. Blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> <laughs> she's great, she's funny. Um, funny, chaotic. Yeah. Um, I enjoy all of her work. Um, there's a movie I can't remember now, but there's a movie she's in with um what's his face? Low budget green arrow, whatever his name was. I can't remember his name right Ryan. now. Um, Ryan, ain't his name? It's um, it's um, whoever played Clint. I don't remember his name. He is it. She's in a movie with him, and I I I want y'all to look it up. It's a great movie about like um, kind of like uh, missing Indigenous women, 
and kind of the hell that people go through to even try to find them or do right by them. Um, she was amazing in it. So um, I, I urge everybody to kind of explore her filmography outside of, you know, of Marvel. Marvel productions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's, there's a specific level of chaos and just like, I'm about this life that she carries with her everywhere. And I'm like, I love that for you. I, yeah, I can see exactly why you survived. I, <laughs> I can see why you survived the industry. All right, Meha, who's your bad bitch of the week, baby? Well, first, I will just shout out my mom. It was Mother's Day this past weekend, so I spent that celebrating her. I'm obsessed with my mother um, more than she's with me, possibly, but that's fine. I think it's healthy <laughs> that way. Um, so, yeah, love you, mom. Shout out to all the great moms out there. Um, and also, I will also say Leah Saba Jeffries. I was I was the Percy Jackson kid at my school. I was I was there like spouting all the likes. So this is what that really happened in Greek mythology. So like I was very, very excited to see this like Rick Riordan approved show come out. I love the look of her. I love the look of the trio. I'm so excited. I just cannot wait to see what these kids do. Annabeth Chase was like my girl. I was seeking to emulate her in all walks of life. Um, and she just seems to have such great energy. Rick Riordan seems so excited about her. So I just cannot wait to see her bring this character to life. Listen, like she's she's undoubtedly my bad bitch of the week as well, but like she's 12 yeah. and the tact and grace she displayed responding to people. Oh, I God, couldn't have been yeah. me. I, I would have I been in these streets be like, show up <laughs> now. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Why? Let's talk about it. I but- never see. <laughs> everybody <laughs> listen we talked about it before i was in euphoria high in middle school in india so who are laws what is a rule if not meant to be broken okay but my bad bitch of the week i will have to get up to miss clarkisha kent and fat fat off fat on a bad bitch manifesto okay the trials and tribulations it's it's so good y'all i cannot speak highly enough of it you're before this podcast comes out we already our written interview is on off color live on monday um may 17th 17th 16th 16th what is time may 16th that's when our written interview with clark is coming out the pre-orders are out now so go grab them now and then along with clark keisha there's another author who i really want to quickly shout out because she also has a book coming out this year it is tasha suri another friend of mine who wrote um the Jasmine Throne and the sequel book that's coming out this year, The Oleander Sword. When I tell you both of these women have made me cry this week, that's unfair to me and my cancer moon. <laughs> unfair. But I love y'all, so you will not be hearing from my legal team. But those are my bad bitches of the week. <laughs> and before y'all, let, uh, before we let y'all go, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in for this week's podcast, y'all. Again, Clark Yeesh's book, Fat Off, Fat On, A Big Bitch Manifesto, is available for pre-order now. The links to it and Clark Yeesh's socials will be in our description. So buy her book. And I'm pretty sure you're following her already, but if you're not, change that, go follow her. And until next time y'all, we're off. This has been an Off Color production. Make sure you follow us everywhere at offcolor.org. That's color with a U. Check out our Patreon for exclusive content and leave us a review while you're here. Until next time, we're off.